This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we can go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Trade deadline is right around the corner, and that means that we've got tons of trade hypotheticals to get to. What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked On Rockets, as well as Apollo at Apollo. H-O-U. And joining us today is our very good friend of the show, member of the Apollo HOU crew and local Houston sports head, Karthik Prasad. How's it going, KP? I'm good, Jackson. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, my man. It is always a pleasure when we get to sit down and hang out on this podcast and talk about the Rockets. And seemingly, I feel like it happens a lot when it's trade centric. I don't know why that is, but it feels like whenever it comes <laughs> to like trades and, and hypotheticals and stuff, you and I usually pop down on this podcast and we 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 kind of run through all the different pathways and permutations for how this team can get better or better prepare itself for the future. Why is that? Why is it always you? I don't know. I mean, I think it's fun to to well, one crowdsource a bunch of ideas on Twitter and just kind of be always processing where Rockets Twitter is in terms of trades and and the sentiment of the team, but also just knowing now, you know, the, the potential future of the team, it's hard not to be in, in kind of trade mania and just be thinking about how can Houston shape not just this season, but, you know, many more seasons to come, um, starting with this trade deadline. Absolutely in agreement with you right there. And I think that, you know, we try to do a very good job here at this very podcast to keep our pulse on Rockets Twitter and, you know, or I guess monitor the pulse of Rockets Twitter, not keep it, whatever. I can't talk. It's been a long day. Um, (laughs) So... With that, let's let's go ahead and we're just going to kind of, you know, open up the floodgates right away and we're going to talk PJ Tucker because ultimately, you know, he in my opinion is going to be the first domino that really falls for the Rockets. I even threw out a Twitter poll earlier and it was actually one of the most like evenly split Twitter polls I've ever seen kind of asking people how they did they feel PJ Tucker was going to be dealt ahead of the trade deadline or within kind of that 24-hour window leading up to the deadline kind of you know maybe Rafael Stone is trying to hold out uh, for the, the maximum possible return on PJ Tucker. I'm beginning to skew KP the direction that I think that the return that they ultimately get for Tucker is not going to be great. I think that they're trying to hold out for this, you know, young, you know, rookie level deal type player. And I just don't think that that truly exists from any of the potential suitors, uh, any of the top tier, uh, you know, contenders that are, you know, looking for PJ Tucker services. There's just not a name out there that intrigues me. And so I'm trying not to set myself up for disappointment, but ultimately I kind of think they're just going to walk away with like, I don't know, a second round draft pick or something for him. Where's your head at regarding, you know, PJ Tucker and what you think the return is actually going to be for him? Yeah, you know, I I, I tend to agree. I think if you look at the the teams that he's been linked to, you know, Milwaukee, Miami, the Lakers, et cetera, they don't really have much to offer um, except kind of second round picks or maybe or or maybe young players who were second round picks. 
And so it's going to be hard to get the kind of return um, that Houston wants. But, you know, a couple things come to mind for me. One is if a team, you know, over the next couple of weeks kind of comes to the table um, that currently isn't, I'm thinking something like Denver as an example, where they want to make a move, they want to show up their defense, they kind of pay up to come, you know, jump ahead of the line and get them. Um, or I think the, the other reason I, you know, in your poll, I think within 24 hours, is I just think, you know, PJ's contract and the, the combination with Oladipo's contract, you, you have a lot of flexibility in trades. And I think that um, there's no reason for them to kind of send his salary out the door right now. And I think they probably have a good sense on the minimum threshold of the offers they're going to get. Uh, but they, they, they are, I think are exploring bigger or, or just more types of deals that would include someone like Dante Exum, include someone like Victor Oladipo. And, and that way you've got to have the flexibility leading up to the deadline. Um, and that's probably honestly what's pissed off PJ Tucker is that he has to sit around and wait and wait for this. Um, so that, that's, that's the other thing. I think the other piece, the last piece is, you know, a team like Philadelphia who hasn't like been in the top three, but you, we obviously know the link between Daryl Morey. We know they have a trade exception. They do have young players. They do have first round picks. Do they ultimately, does Daryl ultimately pay into the kind of the threshold that uh, we'd want that, that, that feels like a dark horse situation for me. Um, if, if they're going to kind of jump to the line too. So those are kind of my thoughts on PJ Tucker, but I definitely think it goes another couple of weeks or another couple, uh, at least a, a week heading into the deadline. You know, I'm so interested, KP, to see uh, ultimately this being Rafael Stone's first trade deadline as the Rockets general manager, and he's already done, you know, so ma- had so many sweeping changes over the organization as is, you know, inheriting a really, uh, you know, chaotic situation and trying to make the best of it. And I think that during the James Harden saga, right, we kind of saw uh, him you know, essentially, you know, creating this bidding war between the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, you know, to, to ultimately extract, you know, what he felt was the ultimate value yeah. back or the best best amount of value back for James Harden. So I wonder, you know, if he's, you know, working the phones in a, in a way that, may, you know, essentially, I wonder how much, if any, he would potentially be able to drive up P.J. Tucker's value. And I also wonder on the other end of that, is Daryl Morey willing to, you know, concede value or or even at this point is he willing to operate with or, or deal with the Rockets and Rafael Stone after you know kind of being spurned you know them thinking that they had a, a, a you know an agreement on a James Harden trade originally and then uh you know the Rockets you know turning heel and going to Brooklyn with their offer so maybe Daryl Morey might not want to entertain you know uh, you know working with you know Rafael Stone again after being burned by him already you know kind of the the student has become the master almost in a way uh so I guess I'm really intrigued to see how this kind of plays out this deadline because it's gonna you know be another another pillar in what is going to ultimately be the career of Rafael Stone and and the overall direction of how this team looks for not just you know next season or the immediate future but for years down the line yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the one thing that I think is in favor of, you know, Rafael doing business with Daryl is just that they they do have a common language of having worked together and how they would approach deals, right? So there's not, it's not a, it won't be a difference of valuation. It won't be a difference in kind of how they even approach trades. It's just going to be, are they going to be negotiating in good faith? And I would imagine in the James Harden trade, like they, they <laughs> there's a little bit more of the Tillman factor. There's a little bit more of the Daryl 
kind of jumping ship factor. But I think, you know, I would think that that's all, you know, water under the bridge at this point. And that if, you know, Daryl has a, a good and, you know, the top offer for PJ Tucker that he's going to get him type of thing. Um, but you just never know. I, I, but I do think, you know, this trade deadline to your point about Rafael, it's like it, he's got to hopefully now have clarity on what time horizon he's operating on. And it all starts with this trade line, trade deadline. What, what time horizon is he making decisions for, for this team, right? Is it three years? Is it five years? Is it seven years? And I think that we're going to start to get a sense of how that's going to come together. If you look at everything he's done so far, it seems like we're in the five to seven year time horizon. And so I would expect him to be patient, expect him to be very long-term oriented and start to just evaluate all options. Um, the quote that's always stuck out with me to me um, from him has been, they don't determine um, the possibilities. They just let these opportunities come to them. And I think that's going to be how, how he approaches the deadline. I like that, and I appreciate you highlighting that 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 point from him, KP. It's a it's a great point to you know kind of illustrate you know how this team kind of goes about its business, uh, and that's something that I want to you know I, I want to touch base on actually kind of moving forward another kind of pillar as we're discussing the the PJ Tucker stuff. But before we get there, I actually I gotta if you were a betting man, which you could be if you you know check out BetOnline.ag soft plug. Um, but you know if you were a betting man, <laughs> where would you where would you say that you see PJ Tucker winding up like ultimately? And I know that's kind of a, a very broad question, but it just your gut feeling, which team do you see him landing on? I think I think I'd still see him landing on Miami. Um, just because I think they need him and I think they have a player like KZ Opala or Precious Achua or someone where at the end of the day, Miami might just pull the trigger. Um, I think PJ fits that team perfectly. And so, and it, it, I, I just think that that's a good destination for him and something that's very workable trade-wise for Houston. Um, the other thing is trading with Miami in general for whether it's PJ and, and Oladipo as it relates to some of the pick swaps it also just feels like there's some deals to be done there. And so whether it's PJ or broadly, I think, you know, Miami is going to be in the equation. I think I'm going to go dark horse. I think he winds up in Denver. I, I, I'm going to, I think that, mm. that that's going to be an interesting team and they've got the, uh, obviously the, the trade exception from the Jeremy Grant situation um, to just, you know, yep. welcome PJ in with open arms uh, and, you know, in some return uh, again, it could just be very milk toast and it could just be a second round draft pick down the line, or it could be one of their, you know, exciting, you know, younger guys, Hampton, Najee, maybe somebody like that. Um, but I, I think my gut is telling me Denver for some reason. So, um, with that, let's, I want to kind of move on past PJ Tucker because that's been kind of, I don't want to say it's old news, but it's been kind of like this thing that we're just looking at. Yeah. And it's like kind of writing on the wall situation with Tucker. Um, but I want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. A little bit and John Wall coming up. Uh, and we'll get there in just a moment after a message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, which doesn't exactly seem fair, Right. RockAuto.com's prices are the exact same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. 
So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything, and I mean everything that you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Did I mention best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. They're always the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, this is the important part, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Chatting with good friend of the show, Karthik Prasad. Now, KP, I kind of, you know, expressed this idea that I wanted to tackle with you earlier this day before we before we sat down to record this podcast. So we've got to tackle it because I'm, I'm genuinely curious to hear your thoughts on this. Do the Rockets have to reevaluate their timeline with John Wall based on the potential development of Kevin Porter Jr. I have my own thoughts on this, but I want to hear what you've got for me first, and then we can tackle it as a discussion. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, you know, I still think that they it'll take another half season to a season to bring Kevin Porter along. I think they, I think it behooves them to keep, veterans established stars like john wall around for as long as as long as they can or should um to establish that culture i think that's that's important now if if a team this summer says like you know say the new york knicks or the chicago bulls or someone says hey you know we want to take john wall off your hands we're willing to uh, you know have an even trade or at best give you some kind of draft compensation do the rockets do it probably um but i don't think they're yet connecting the timelines of John and, and Kevin yet. Um, just because I think there's so much development to do. I think having, you want to, when you're dealing with young, young players, you want to protect them in a way that you can slowly expand the types of things they're doing on the floor, right? You want them, you want Kevin to start getting good at setting his teammates up, starting to pick his spots better, starting to stay out of foul trouble, starting to still maintain focus on the defense end. Now, you, you don't want to have him play 35 minutes, you know, tomorrow or the beginning of next season. I think that's where having a mentor, having an established veteran helps. Now, into next season, as, as you start to see signs of growth, do they move on? Yeah, potentially. But I think they're right now operating on multiple parallel timelines. The, par- the timeline to develop Kevin Porter and then the timeline to figure out what to do with John Wall and where he wants to be and what's the best return. Um, at some point, to your point, they will collide. But I, I don't think it's it's sooner. I don't think the clock has changed just because things are still so new and un, un, and to be determined um, with our team. Okay, um, and that again, you know, the, the angle that I'm coming at it from, and I, I agree to an extent that I don't think, you know, I, I agree that you're talking about the kind of the parallel timelines and they haven't quite converged just yet, and I can see that that side of things. My concern comes from, you know, we've we've made the comps, you know, all season long uh, talking about, you know, John Wall being kind of in this Chris Paul-esque role, you know, rehabbing mm-hmm. his value um, after being traded from a team that thought that he didn't have enough left in the tank, that kind of situation. And ultimately, I think he's done that successfully. I think he's shown that he can be a, you know, a contributor for a team that's, you know, gunning for you know, contention. Um, and that's just, unfortunately it's not going to be here with the Rockets. Um, the timelines yeah. just don't match, 
but I also don't think he's got the correct skill set to be quite as good in that mentorship role that Chris Paul was last season with the Thunder in that, right, they had SGA, Dort, uh, Dennis Schroeder, you know, all the, these guards that were able to learn and, you know, really, you know, uh, you know, absorb the teachings of Chris Paul. And Chris was able to kind of take a back seat in some of those games and, and allow these younger players to kind of do a lot of the, you know, heavy lifting over the course of, you know, 36, 40 minutes and then kind of just step up towards the tail end of the game. And I think that his ability to play off ball kind of allowed him to do that to an extent. And I just worry that, Wall, KPJ, you know, them coexisting, you know, on the basketball court, it's an awkward fit because then you you kind of take away that those opportunities for Kevin Porter Jr. to get those real reps in, to steer the offense, to have the ball in his hands as the true facilitator, primary ball handler on the team. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. And and ultimately from a from a larger vantage point, the Rockets are also in this position where they've got kind of these foundational pieces in Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, you know, arguably KJ Martin, you know, these young, exciting, you know, very high potential level guys. Um, and they're all on steals of contracts right now. So they've got this window of opportunity where they need to figure out how to allocate their cap resources before it comes payday for all of those guys that I just listed off because ultimately you're going to have to pay Christian Wood. You're going to have to pay Jay Sean Tate. If Kevin Porter Jr. reaches any kind of his potential, you're going to have to pay, you know, pay to retain him. And they've got about a three-year window to utilize their cap space to make a, you know, to, to either sign somebody outright in free agency, to make a splash via trade, um, utilizing potentially one of the contracts of John Wall or Eric Gordon to kind of facilitate that. Um, to then be in a position where when they when payday does come around, they're not capped out on a team that isn't championship caliber. So that's kind of where my concerns come from it, with John Wall, both, again, from a on-the-court element with kind of play styles clashing between he and KPJ, as well as the financial side of it is, you know, you've got that Supermax contract. What are you going to do with it? Like, it's it's just an albatross. I'm sorry. I mean, I know that, you know, Tillman thought that Chris Paul's contract was the worst contract in the NBA, but John Walls might be looking a little bit worse off or worse for wear. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a it, ton of good points. I, I think that, you know, it's, well, if you look at John Walls' contract, right, he's got next season, which is 21-22, and then he's got the player option for 22-23, right? So, all of a sudden, I think his his contract actually becomes fairly tradable in, to the trade deadline because I think he's going to want to tear that player option up and and if he's healthy that that summer right before sign a long term deal just because it's going to be yeah it's going to be you, th- risky. you think he's going to ta- you think he's going to take a piece of paper and tear up forty seven million guaranteed that is a yeah. KP that is the ballsiest statement you've ever had on this podcast with me. I think so. I think so. And, and I think the, and here's the reason why he's going to be 30. He's going to be 32, right? Two, 32 going into 33. If he at all gets, gets hurt that year, um, his long-term earnings all of a sudden go way, way down. So you see and, it kind of like maybe like Al Horford-esque, right? Where he opts out of the bigger deal to sign a, a smaller, longer guaranteed deal. Exactly. And pick the place he wants to be, right? Because, why take, I mean, the 40, 47 million on a team he doesn't want. I mean, I, 
it's not like it's no brainer. In fact, it's, I, I know I'm, I'm coming out of left field a little bit, but I think that's, that's, it's, that's something to consider is he's, he's got to be thinking about where is he going to play the rest, the rest of his career. And he's going to have a chance to actually pick that in 18 months from now. And I think that that's a pretty significant thing, but also why his contract may be tradable um, into in this summer, but also next trade deadline. Um, but, you know, going back to your point, I think in the, the one thing I want to kind of respond to is the, is the on-court fit, right, between him and KPJ, because I think it's a big point that you're trying to make, which is can we actually see them coexisting and playing with each other? And I think, I think the jury's still out. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's – could you – do you want Kevin Porter, like, tomorrow taking on the flying chair of the play, playing, playmaking – Potentially. I mean, he's got tons of potential. He's, he's shown a elite shot creation for him and his, and his teammates, but it's a pretty hard job to go to, to lead a team 48 for 40 minutes. Um, and, and if he's slotted in the reserve role, he had, he maybe shares the court with John wall for 10 minutes, but gets to stagger otherwise um, coming off the bench. There's, there's, there's ways to make it work in which you have kind of a lead guard playmaking for others for 48 minutes, um, which would prescribe more of a stagger, than maybe what we saw with Chris Paul, who was kind of setting up the other guards um, since, you know, SGA and Shooter are more scoring guards than they are mm-hmm. point guards. And so um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big thing, but I do think that's something they want to get a, ha- a handle on or a sense of in the next couple of weeks, um, because I think that'll help them in terms of trades, this, you know, the deadline, but also in the summer is just get an understanding of can John and Kevin Porter really coexist and like help each other. Or is it something that, to your point, needs to be expedited? Yeah, and, and then on top of all that, we don't even know exactly what John Wall's timetable is for the remainder of the season after just finding out today, um, you know, earlier this afternoon as we're recording this on a Monday evening, that uh, at some point, John Wall may be, going, uh, may be undergoing uh, a knee scope. So, uh, you know, it's very possible <laughs> that he might wind up sitting out the remainder of this season, which would give KPJ a lot of time and a lot of reps uh, without John Wall on the court. So uh, that kind of all yeah. remains to be seen how that is going to play out. But coming up, we have your Twitter trade scenarios. We've got, you know, probably a little bit of Aaron Gordon discussion in there as well, maybe suggesting some of our own uh, wacky ideas for how to improve this uh, beleaguered Rocket squad. And we'll get there in just a moment after a quick Message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing, and we've got MLB right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. So head over to the website and sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON on your very first deposit at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Look, we've been telling you about Built Bar for a while now, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It, it's the amazing low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great-tasting protein bar, and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They, they're just they're awesome. That's there's, there's no other way to put it. But now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best Built Bar. It is Built Bar Madness. And today's matchup, we've actually got a really good one for you. It's peanut butter brownie against coconut almond. Now, personally for me, I'm going to have to lean peanut butter brownie here um, between the coconut almond peanut butter brownie. Uh, there are some coconut flavors that I think that are really, really good. But here in this matchup, I'm going to lean peanut butter brownie. And you can cast your vote. Just go to BuiltBar.com or go to Twitter at Built underscore Bar to throw in your vote to cast your ballot. And if you head over to the website, remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very next order. That's code Locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. And be sure to check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting with fellow Apollo HOU crew member Karthik Prasad. Now, KP, before we dive into our wonderful Twitter mailbag of trades and get to grading these and critiquing them and maybe tweaking them ever so slightly, um, let's talk Aaron Gordon for a moment because mm-hmm. I'm not sold on the Rockets pursuing Aaron Gordon. I have my reservations there. Um, what's what's your take on that? Um, I think the best, the best, well, my take is, I think, inspired by the best, I think, response I saw to, to that, which was, you're essentially extending the Victor Oladipo situation by a year. Um, you know, you're getting, you're probably going to get value. You still get value from Oladipo in the sense that that's a vehicle for you to get Aaron Gordon. And then next year, because now Aaron Gordon's more tradable, he's, you know, you've hopefully increased his value. Um, can you trade him to a team that can, you know, give you, give you value for him before, before he becomes a free agent? Uh, that that's pretty appealing because you're keeping the ta- you're increasing the talent level. You, you're always kind of a player in the trade market, and you just kind of keep doing that until the team's ready to contend. But in ter- I think your point on Twitter was more like you know what, both from a team b- building standpoint, you have to pay Aaron Gordon 2022. Are we actually going to do that? Why would we do that? And then um, also, is he the best fit next to Christian Wood? I do actually think. You know he's a pretty decent fit next to Christian Wood because he can shoot, he can roll, he kind of is a Swiss Army knife offensively and defensively. And I think Look, you, you, he say, he, you has, say he can shoot because he's having a career year, right? He becomes a Houston Rocket and suddenly forgets how to hit threes. Like it's just <laughs> we've seen this old song and dance before. Yeah, but I, you know it's not like he's going to be taking contested threes. And he's probably going to get some open threes. He's going to be a pretty efficient guy in terms of dunks and cuts and things and. He's a pretty he's an above average guy on spot ups and cuts and and those types of plays where I think he can really make use of his athleticism and I think he can play off of Christian Wood because you have now multiple pick and roll options. But that being said, it's not it's not like you have to go get him. I I just think the team sees him right in he's he, you know he's 25, 26. That's a, the age of the players they've targeted and guys like Tate and Wood and um and he and he, and he fits a roster spot that we need. And so I think that's the biggest reason. But, I, you know, I, I don't think that he he's someone that they'd immediately then sign in 2022. So if you're going after Aaron Gordon because he's a, he's an asset 
that can help your team next this year and next year and someone that you can kind of rehab to improve value come next trade deadline. That that's the reason I think they go after him. I don't think it's I don't know if it's a real option A because you know what I just don't see a, a big reason to go do that. Um but I think you want to make sure their their goal is to get value back from Oladipo, whether it's through extending him or trading him for something. And someone like Aaron Gordon represents value back is kind of how I'm processing the whole thing. And so earlier, you know, I was under the assumption that, you know, I just, I couldn't quite fathom the idea that whatever the return is, you know, if it's not a direct one for one with Orlando, which why would it be, you know, what, what interest does Orlando have in Victor Oladipo for Aaron Gordon straight up? I I just don't see that happening. Um, My issue was, is the value that you get back for Victor Oladipo enough to then net you Aaron Gordon without giving up any additional value from the Rockets because that's where I kind of start kind of you know mm. digging my heels into the ground saying well no like I I am on board and I and I lo- love that you brought up that that specific angle of it you know extending essentially the one year of Victor Oladipo and, and being able to you know revisit this discussion next trade deadline instead uh, after hopefully you know maybe Aaron Gordon plays up his value a little bit maybe he's a great fit alongside Christian Wood and he is the guy that they want to re-sign and keep long term maybe you know the change of scenery gives him kind of a uh uh, you know, Jeremy Grant-esque boost to his numbers type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. All of these possibilities, you know, they're kind of endless. But ultimately, the way that I come away from it is I don't want to see the Rockets give up any additional value. I don't want to see them fork over one of the Brooklyn picks or one of their own picks in order to facilitate a trade for a guy who could conceivably be out the door just a year later or, you know, potentially not, uh, I guess, not recoup the value that they spent on him to try and flip him next deadline. I'm just, I'm not that blown away by him. If they're able to turn Victor Oladipo into a package and then turn that package into Aaron Gordon, I'm here for mm-hmm. it. I like that idea. I just wouldn't go any steps past that one. And I think that's where my disconnect yeah. was. And I didn't do a good enough job, you know, kind of explaining that on on the bird yeah. earlier when we were first discussing it. Yeah, I think, I think that's totally fair. And I think that's probably how they're approaching it too, is just, there's no reason to give up additional value for them unless they see something in that we're all not saying. But um, I think it's the right way to think about it. Can you turn the value of Oladipo into someone like Aaron Gordon? And I think that's the, without kind of going past that, and they probably have a line that they're drawing um, by which to get a player like him if they choose to move on from Oladipo. So I think that's a great way to think about it. All right. Well, with that, KP, let's go ahead and dive into some of our, our Twitter mailbag trades. So from we'll just go with the very first one that I see here. So from at David Marin 19, we've got Victor Oladipo for RJ Hampton, Zeke Nanji and Gary Harris, two young players with high upside that don't fit Denver's timeline, but have played well in limited minutes this season. Go ahead and drop this trade a grade and critique it, KP. Uh, B B plus. I think Denver is a great match for Oladipo. I think they want to get off of Gary Harris's contract because they're. I mean, a he's not that dynamic, and B they they have to get some value because I don't think they want to pay him. And Oladipo maintains a lot of what what uh, Gary Harris does. Plus, he gives them flexibility this summer to kind of retool the roster. And I think you're absolutely right around guys like Hampton and Nadia. They don't really fit De- what Denver is trying to do. Um, and that would be a pretty good haul coming back for, for you talking about for, former first-round pick and second-round pick, I think. So 
um, I think it's a pretty strong deal. Um, the question is just, could, could it be beaten? And so that's why I'm saying, if, you know, it's a kind of like a B plus, but I think if, if they ended up with something like that, I'd be all for it just because I think it's value back. And I think Harris continues to, he, he can be serviceable without, and, um, and then you can figure out what to do with them next year, because, you know, we're kind of in that mode of taking on those type of, those type of players to, to um, continue building the team and, and collect assets. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting here though, and this is how I try to do these trades is, you know, I think looking at it from a rocket's lens, it's easily, like you said, a B plus, or I might even go so far as to say an A minus, right? You're getting back two, uh, you know, young players with, with high potential, um, you know, who can, you know, potentially be a part of that, this rebuild, this youth movement moving forward. But then from Denver's perspective, I kind of look at it and you're thinking, well, do they have to give up Hampton and Nanji, right? Can they can they afford to or do would they would they necessarily have to give up both of them, I guess? And that's where I come away from thinking that that might be an, an overpay if you're Denver. Yeah, that's fair, but at the same time, you know, I mean, if you if you I think we're close, right? If that if we're in the if we're in the thing of, you know, should they give up one or two young players? I think we're pretty close and I don't know that Denver would let one of those guys break the deal. Um, yeah, especially, for, especially for yeah. a guy like Oladipo who could who could give them, you know, a formidable third option that, you know, shores up their yeah. defense, um, you know, and then they've got that big three and then obviously MPJ kind of right behind those lead three guys of, of uh, Jokic, Murray and, and Oladipo um, all kind of on similar timelines. Yeah. I mean, it kind of. Yeah. So I, I, I see that. OK. All right. Well, I, I I like that one. I'm, I I really like the Denver situation. Like, I just feel like they've got like this, you know, two or three young, exciting guys over there that the Rockets could scoop up. And, um, you know, I was yeah. excited by a lot of us were excited by Hampton originally in the draft before the Rockets looked like they were punting on pick number sixteen and mm-hmm. you know completely mm-hmm. stuck a dagger in all of our hearts. Um, and so uh, and then obviously that turning into um. Christian Wood, so we're not going to complain about that, but uh, Hampton was definitely a guy that I had my eyes on, uh, so it would be cool to kind of see him uh, ultimately become a Houston Rocket if that were to come to fruition. Uh, so let's go a little bit further down the list here. Let's see. Um, we're going to go with... All right, that's another Denver one. I don't want to go there. Um, come on. where? Are they? Okay, here's one. Here's a good one from at Clutch City BR. Knox and Nilakita... Plus the plus a first round pick either Dallas or New York for Vic and Rodion's Kuruks. This one's interesting because the New York Knicks are kind of like they're relevant for the first time in a long time. So like, how badly do they want to remain relevant, and are they going to jump the gun on flipping some youth for Victor Oladipo? Yeah, I mean, I. I, you know, a couple things. One is, so this one I give like an A, A minus or above because I think outside of Miami, the New York Knicks are probably the most logical Victor Oladipo um, landing spot. One, because they have cap space. They don't have to send back salary or, you know, there's the, you know limitation. Someone like Gary Harris, they don't have to send someone like that back to Houston to match salary because they have cap space. So they can just give us purely young players. So we can generate you know, kind of like a 10, I think a 10 ish uh, million trade exception. And if they were to get that Dallas first, um, you know, that's, that's, that's another feather in the 2021 cap and gives us a bunch in terms of the draft and gives us a bunch of flexibility. 
and I think Victor, from New York's perspective, Leon Rose, you know, his former agent for Victor Oladipo, probably has a good sense of whether they could keep him um, and whether they could kind of do that. And, I, and I, you know someone like Tibbs is, <laughs> would be pounding the table for a two-way guy that can play off of Barrett, that can play off of their guards. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I really do think there's some strong possibility. It's a good fit on all fronts. Um, and if we were able to get an asset back like that Dallas first, plus a young player of either Knox or Nilakina, I'd be all over that. So that one to me is one of my favorites has been the whole season. I, I, yeah. And I, I wonder, you know, I, I'd still be okay with that deal, even if they didn't come away with the Dallas first round pick, honestly, because, you know, that's, that's a a nice duo of, of young talent. Plus, you know, you're still stockpiling firsts, especially we're talking 2021. Um, cause again, that gives them what that, how many, how many picks are they sitting on in this draft? They'll have their own, they'll have, you know, either their own or the Miami pick. Then they'll have the, uh, Portland Blazers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that would give them three then if they, if they were to pick up another 2021 pick for this year's draft. And I mean, that's a lot of flexibility, uh, you know, this in this year's draft, depending on how things kind of shake out ultimately for the team. Uh, and I know some people are already kind of doing some draft prep and looking at those, those late teens, early twenties for potential options for the Rockets. I haven't gone that far yet with my uh, draft research, but you know, you can never have too many picks in a draft. You really can't. Um, especially if you're able to flip. Uh, what has been kind of a, uh, how are we going to put this nicely? A lackluster stint for the Rockets in Victor Oladipo into assets <laughs> like that. That would be uh, a very welcome sight. So absolutely, I'm right there with you. I'm going to go A- minus as well. Um, now this next one, this is a, a kind of a permutation that uh, DuBose and I actually discussed a little bit. Uh, so from at ShySilver3, uh, <laughs> Houston would receive Iguodala, Olenek, and Okpala. Miami would receive Oladipo and Tucker. OKC would receive Tyler Harrow. And then as an added bonus to this deal, OKC removes the pick protections on the 2021 pick swap with the Rockets. And then Miami removes the protection on their 2023 first round pick owed to OKC. So this is where we're getting fancy with it, KP. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so... In terms of the Rockets' perspective, I think it's really good. I just don't. I just don't know how doable this is, right? I mean, if if they were to get someone like Okpala plus the remover removing of the protection, I mean, that's a huge thing. That's like a huge, huge value back to Houston, and and I just don't know if um, if it's enough, right? Like, is Miami content with Oladipo and Tucker to give up Hero? I don't. I don't know. Um, and I mean, Hero, Iguodala, Olenek, and Opal. They're giving up four players for Oladipo and Tucker. And then OKC is losing the potential of landing their top four. Like it just, from a execution standpoint of the trade, it's hard to see that happening. But I know that this scenario of like, what can we do to essentially, what price do we need to pay to remove that swap? Um, I'm all over that. I think that they should do everything they can to remove that. So I just don't know if this will be enough. Um, but if it is, you know, awesome. Like I, I would be doing backflips because I think being able to control your destiny in this draft um, would just be a huge franchise changer. But I think OKC would know that. And I don't know if that Tyler Hero is enough for them to to, to remove that 48% chance that it, it doesn't happen. 
And I think that's right now. He's like, yeah. So go ahead. No, well, I was, I was going to say, I think another way that, you know, I haven't had a chance to, uh, you know, mention it on the show yet, but, uh, shout out Andrew Sukup who, you know, on Twitter pointed out that, you know, I think he had a really great way of approaching how to really kind of frame your mindset around this year's draft and the Rockets pick situation is that when the, when the Russell Westbrook trade was consummated, the Rockets essentially gave up control of their destiny for this, this draft. And now they have an opportunity to to reacquire that pick. Like they had like they have a a what is it, a fifty-two percent chance to to reacquire that pick and how much yeah. like what more are you willing to do to to fight back for that fifty-two percent chance? Or I apologize, what more are you do willing to do to fight further than that fifty-two percent chance? Because they're going to have a down season. They're going to finish more than likely in the bottom five in the league, potentially worse. Um, yeah. And so it's really just kind of a cherry on top of the fact that they have, you know, any chance to retain their pick whatsoever when it was kind of thought that it was going to be a foregone conclusion that it was going to be a swap no matter what at the end of the day. So ultimately, um, I'm right there with you. I, I want, I just, I don't know if there's enough way that you can convince, you know, enough value that you can send OKC, um, yeah. to convince that. But if, and if you're OKC in this situation, I think. Honestly, Tyler Harrow plus the unprotected Miami pick in 2023, that's huge. Like, I do think that would be enough value, but then I come away from it thinking, is this enough value for the Miami Heat? And that's where the issue comes in. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, whenever you, whatever you do, you move value from some party, right? And then that, is it, is it enough for that one <laughs> is how I go about it. But I think it, it's, but it's possible, which is exciting. Like it, it is somewhat possible to get that protection removed. And if that's, if Rafael Stone does that, that would be just absurd. It'd be awesome um, if, if he's able to do that. But I'm, I just haven't really given that <laughs> too much credence because I just think it's really hard. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those like if he were to pull it off, that's kind of like a masterclass in GMing, and it would absolutely kind of cement himself in Rockets fans' eyes if he's like literally like just diving in and directly undoing the you know at least one part of the horrors of the Russell Westbrook trade. Like to to be able to dive in and somehow salvage that situation would be you know it would catapult him up. Like I mean, I would I would immediately book it down to Toyota Center and start building the statue. Like if I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, let's pull another one in here. Let's see. Uh, all right. Let's. How about this one? Victor Oladipo for Jalen Brunson and James Johnson. I like mm. Brunson. I do like Brunson. I don't know what his contract looks like off the top of my head. Let me see what that looks like because I'm interested. I think it's a second round pick, so pretty pretty attractive, I would say. But the, then the, then the question is like, what do we, what do we do with Jalen Brunson? Like you have John Wall, Kevin Porter, and Jalen Brunson. You have to pay him basically he's a non-guaranteed year next year, which is interesting and good. And then you have to pay he's unrestricted free agent in 2022. He's 24 years old. Had he good good I mean I I don't know. I don't I don't feel like that's a I feel like it's a solid like B minus because I don't know that we're getting it's not really changing the trajectory of our team. Right. And it feels like you'd have more options with Oladipo in the summer. So why take that deal now is kind of where I'm at with that. Because I don't feel like that moves. It doesn't do anything for our team. I don't, and yeah, we're helping the Mavs, but I feel like we have optionality with Oladipo in the summer. So yeah, I don't, I, that one, I lukewarm on, if they did it, I'd be like, okay, fine. But I wouldn't be like thrilled 
with it. Yeah. <laughs> just just one of those I guess type moves. Okay. Yeah, yeah, strong yeah. man. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, I I was a little bit more interested by it just because you know Jalen Brunson again. He's he's you know at least exciting, talented. You know, there's that option there where maybe they could you know potentially you know, move on and flip him again, you know, a little bit further down the line. It's just kind of that ass. I don't want to say asset accumulation, but, um, you know, it just gives them another option to, yeah. to not have to worry about what they're going to do with, with Victor Oladipo with his $20 million salary, you know, that kind of situation. But I guess that, that kind of begs the question, this isn't an actual, uh, Twitter trade proposal, but have you given any credence to the idea of the Rockets signing and trading Oladipo this summer? Cause that's actually one scenario that I haven't, readily yeah. approached quite just yet and i realize that that's actually a scenario that could become i don't want to say increasing more increasingly more likely but in my head i hadn't even quite entertained that factor yet but that's a very real possibility for this team where they don't deal him they don't flip him there's not a package that they find attractive at the deadline and they wait until this summer and make a move there yeah no and i think that was part of the calculus is to have that option because a they can offer him more and the most money right so that that's good um and b i think you know the teams he's interested in um you know, can still trade can still trade back for him um in the summer so it's one of those things where you know the same suitors that are, are willing to line up for oladipo now would still be in the summer and could and could say could have more option on how they would use their own cap space um, so I, you know, I think it's very much a possibility and just given that we'd be able to offer him, you know, more money, uh, on a longer term deal and we'd also get more data on him. Um, and he doesn't really like, he still has control in terms of what he wants to do. So that's why, I mean, it, unless you're getting a pretty good deal now, you don't want to necessarily give up that option. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, yes, teams will have cap space, but at the same time, there's how you use your cap space. And do you want to sign Oladipo and, and take up that chunk or do you want to trade for him? And so there's a lot of different team building paths that I think, you know, his potential suitors would go down and there's no reason to give that up yet unless you get a big deal. You know, I, I, I wonder, obviously these two guys are going to be guys that are going to be getting significant paydays this summer, but that idea of like a double sign and trade between either like the Rockets and the Hawks for like a John Collins type deal potentially. Yeah. Uh, and then another one, and this one's kind of like less like splashy, but still kind of interesting is depending on what type of a payday, like Duncan Robinson gets from the heat. That's another one yeah. where I, you know, I, my reservations there were, you know, if you trade for Robinson and he, or if you trade Oladipo to the heat and Robinson's part of that package, then you have to fend off all of his potential suitors this summer. Whereas if they wait until the summer and they execute a, a, a true blue sign and trade deal and Robinson's part of that potential return, then, you know, there's a little bit more control of to see, okay, well, what's his actual salary going to look like? Like we have a little bit more control in, in how much we're willing to pay. Cause we saw that this past off season shooters got paid. Berton's made 20 million a year. Uh, Joe Harris made 20 mil. Like, you know, are you comfortable paying, are you comfortable paying uh, uh, Duncan Robinson 20 million a year when you don't even have the rest of your, your core kind of set for a contender? Probably not. But I mean, like, what's the most you would be comfortable with paying Duncan Robinson hmm. right now on this Rockets team? Like, if you know, we're talking summer, 
sign and trade, you know, double sign and trade situation, what would you be comfortable with, KP? Yeah, pr- probably somewhere in the 15, 15 to 20 million range. Because I think you want that type of salary. He would add a lot, a ton of value to our team. Um, but, you know, to, to that exact scenario, right, if Miami were to do that, because they can go over the cap to sign their restricted free agents like Duncan and then trade him, they then can use the, their, you know, team option guys, Dragic and Leonard and others, to clear cap space to sign someone else in free agency. So they'd essentially be adding another free agent and Oladipo to their core, um, which is why they may not necessarily want to, you know, we shouldn't give up that possibility of doing a sign trade now. Um, whereas, you know, if we wanted to execute that trade now, um, they'd have to send back other salary, other players with Duncan Robinson. They could. They could say, here's Duncan Robinson, here's Myers Leonard, give us a little depot. But I think like those type of scenarios open up in the summer, you know, and you have expanded roster limits. There's just a ton more things can happen. But that's a great example of why, you know, unless we get a, a good or a good solid deal, we shouldn't, you know, jump the gun on, on Oladipo. So here here's where how we're gonna sign this off, KP, before before we wrap this thing up. What is your gut telling you? Is Victor Oladipo going to be a member of the Houston Rockets past the deadline? Yes or no? Still going to say no, just because I think New York, New York makes a ton of sense and it can happen now. It's an, it's a great fit on both sides. And I feel like as long as there's a really good scenario, um, it's hard to imagine Oladipo staying. Uh, And especially if we're in like kind of, Let's tank type of cat trajectory. Then I just don't know. What Fade for Cade, baby. Um, <laughs> exactly. If we're fading for if we're fading for Cade, I feel like you know trading Oladipo helps that cause. And so that's why I say no. But things can change in the next you know two weeks. So we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm I'm right there with you on the no. And I just I feel like there's been too many reports, too many rumors, and I think there's just a lot of. Uh, interest from multiple parties to where I I feel like something is going to happen. And it's almost like, right, you lose, you know, if they were to, you know, kind of stand pat and wait for the offseason, it's almost like Oladipo potentially loses some of his luster, right? You don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. Maybe he, you know, re-aggravates something. Uh, Maybe he plays even worse. Um, And then you get to the offseason and you don't have this, this bidding war going on between the the Knicks, the the Heat, the potentially the Dark Horse Nuggets, you know that kind of situation, um, yeah. driving up his price in the middle of a season where the Heat want to make the playoffs, the Knicks want to continue to make noise, the Nuggets need a little bump, they need something, um, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a lot of factors in the in favor of moving Oladipo and you know extracting the the most possible value for him uh, in in season before the deadline. So. That's our take. We think we think Vic is out. And personally, no harm, no harm, no feel, no hurt feelings. You know, he was a cool rocket for a brief stint. We'll hang his jersey in the rafters right next to Carmelo's. Um, but <laughs> KP, I appreciate you taking the time to hang out today, man. Go ahead and let everybody know where they can check you out at. Of course, always a pleasure, Jackson. You can you can find me on Twitter at, at @StanfordKP, and of course with the Apollo Hue. Houston folks, um, and so it's always great to join the the, the podcast and and especially chatting trade ideas because you know how much I love that. So appreciate you having me. <laughs> we we love a good trade hypothetical here at Locked On Rockets, especially when it involves Karthik Prasad. KP, appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, thank you.
All right, that is going to do it for today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed our thorough discussion, breaking down multiple different facets of the Houston Rockets and how this you know trade deadline may potentially come about. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.